0: Welcome back, lads and ladettes, to episode 70.
1: 70! 70. How do you feel, buddy? 70. 30 away Dude, from 100 or 29. What, yeah, 30, I guess, away from 100. Why would I say 29? <laughs> <laughs> Not a math guy. <laughs> yeah, no, no, neither am I, man. But yeah, 30
0: away from 100. We're getting there, man. You know what's pretty yeah, crazy to think about is we, we started podcasting before, like, Caller Daddy did.
1: You're not wrong. We did. We are more OGs than caller yeah, we are. where's our like hundred schmilly or whatever that they're making? Like what the hell is going on? <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> Dude. Oh, come on. Maybe we gotta be more vulgar here. Maybe we just need to like just share some outrageous stories. <laughs> that being said, I, I don't know if I could risk it all for for on a on a pipe dream. No. maybe that's that's, what it takes maybe that's what separates the boys from the men
1: (laughs) i also don't think that that's who we are no i I just don't think that that's our narrative or our genre i don't think i also don't know how many people would actually be interested in the kinds of stories (laughs) like shenanigans yeah (laughs) yeah so i don't know if that's uh that's where we the road we should be heading down but um mcgee Last episode, we covered a couple uh, anniversaries and they were more yeah. happy go lucky anniversaries. Uh, Pete Weber's Who Do You Think You Are? I Am Miracle on Ice, the actual event itself, and then the release of the movie, and then the movie Slapshot, the anniversary of that movie. Um, you know what? I actually realized too is that we talked about the Mike Medano clip of the announcer, like when Medano gets dropped on the stretcher,
2: he is conscious, yeah. you can See, uh, the eyes open. Oh, oh, look at that. Oh, my goodness. Oh, I just can't, I can't believe we just saw that. Mm-hmm. It was
1: just the anniversary of that. Dude, everything happens like mid-March. <laughs> yeah, So it was all like clumped in together there. And like we have banged out those anniversaries. Yeah. But of course, here we are. We put it on our Instagram uh, story the other day. One year anniversary of what did you describe it as? Uh, the recognition of, of, obser-
0: of observance the national day of observance as declared by uh just pm justin trudeau wow
1: so yeah I think so it was on tuesday the march uh, in march that rudy gobert touched the mics and tested positive and i saw today so today is uh thursday march one sec 11th, 11th. yeah um Today was the day that the NBA game was about to start. The positive results came back. And in Utah, they had to kick the fans out of the arena and announce that the game wasn't going to be played. And I'll pro- I'll, I'll try and find the audio and download it and put the clip into the episode. It's a very, very eerie feeling. And to, like honestly, looking back on it now, I couldn't imagine being someone who was in that building, a fan of the game, watching, and hearing this announcement come throughout the building. And fans, due to unforeseen circumstances, the game tonight has been postponed. You are all safe.
3: And take your time in leaving the arena tonight and do so in an orderly fashion. Thank you for coming out tonight. We are all safe. And you can visit okcthunder.com for updates on upcoming games.
1: As the game's like supposed to be getting underway, like you're sitting in your seats, you're waiting for it to start, and then this announcement happens. I couldn't imagine sitting there; it's very eerie.
0: Dude, uh, it's, have you so, seen it's, it at all? No, I haven't seen that clip. I'm probably okay. I'm probably gonna watch it as soon as this episode's over, because like, yeah, that would be so weird, man. That's like just something from a, a movie.
1: Yeah, it was. It very, it really, really was. It was like, cause uh, the results came back like right before the game, and the I think it was like a ref. Uh, someone ran out to a ref and basically told the ref what happened. It was like someone from Utah, uh, the Utah team ran out, told the ref, then they told the score table and then they were like, that's it. Shut down the game. That game got canceled. Any of the games starting later that night got canceled, but there was games underway already. So they just played out those games. There was games that were played earlier in the day, but that was like the shutdown. And that was the story I told of like me going and taking a nap, waking up, and uh the my world roommate's like down. yo the world shuts down <laughs> yeah. like oh shit okay cool well it all happened in the two hour time span i took a snooze but weird stuff but i put on our instagram story a poll and i asked uh should we be thanking rudy gobert and i more meant it in the term in terms of like because rudy gobert tested positive he essentially like put the absolute fear in people of like, Oh my God, anyone and everyone can get COVID. It's not, yeah, just it's not like, actually
0: a joke. Like yeah. no, he's messing around. People were like, ha funny thing. Like it's, it's in China. It's not over here. And the next thing you know, yeah. Uh, and people were like,
1: people were like, pissed obviously that he touched the mics and like, understandably. So it's stupid. Yeah. Like what the hell are you doing? You're making a mockery of it. And then of course, of course he's the first player to get it and test positive for it. Yeah. But, the results were pretty funny. Like, uh, trying to find the stat here. It's 29% of people said, yes, we should thank him. And 71% of people said, hell no. (laughs) So I think people are more so just pissed that Rudy like acted that way and kind of made a mockery of the situation. But I more so just meant it in terms of like, this guy almost just brought recognition of the actual issue to light. Severity, he, yeah. yeah. It was like, Oh my God, anyone and everyone can get it. Like it's that serious. It's that real. So, but yeah, one year, one year ago today, the pretty, observance pretty of nuts. COVID and here we are still doing interviews and stuff via zoom and only recorded one episode in person to this point, but yeah, you know, good things are on their way. The weather's getting warm outside. Apparently vaccines are on their way. So, things to look forward to, me. Definitely, uh, things to look forward to. Time. I
0: yeah. don't even know what I'm gonna be like doing. Like, when the first time I'm able to like step outside and like interact with like more than five people, <laughs> you yeah. have a panic attack or something. Like, I don't know. Yeah,
1: you're literally gonna have social like yeah. so much a social awkwardness and like not know how to act in the situation. God, like, so many people. Damn, imagine yeah. like think about going to the bar for the first time like in literally over a year obviously you can go to patios and order things but just think about the whole battle of like trying to get to the bar and order your drinks and waiting for the person to come take order or like take your drink order and then make the drinks and paying and everything like that oh my god and like yeah. the first time you're back in that scenario first of all even with all these vaccines and stuff coming like i'd be nervous when that'll be happening yeah yeah but then how are you gonna be like you're so you're gonna have like anxiety in there yeah
0: dude, <laughs> even just like handling cash like like the, the bartender is going to give me my change. And I'll yeah. be like, no, no, no. Just keep my $25 like on the, on the $100 when <laughs> yeah. I broke. Like,
1: Yeah. Well, even, that's I like wanna- I paid the, uh, like credit card or whatever every time. And I do, if it's an option, tap, tap yeah. every time. Yeah, because like I don't want to like touch any of this stuff. And like yeah, obviously my card touches a machine, but I'd rather just tap if I can rather than having to hold it and punch numbers. And like, I don't think, I don't know of, I've paid cash other than this one time and uh, I went, I paid cash and it was because it was at like a restaurant and with the tip, it was close enough to the cash that I had in my wallet that I was like, I don't really care if I get like money back from this. Yeah. yeah. So I was just like, here's the cash. And like, I don't want change. Thanks, though. <laughs> like, just take it's it. It's gonna be,
0: like, it's gonna be hectic though, because you know, like the moment everybody's vaccinated, the moment everybody is kind of like, okay, this thing's done, like completely green zone, like ha- have yeah. her. You have the green light, go nuts. Everybody is going to do exactly that and go ape shit. Like, I think Nanas, the yeah. streets, the streets are gonna be packed. Like, people are gonna be out just celebrating, living, just like, oh my god, they're gonna well, be, you, be you going know what I crazy. think about
1: is crazy is that the summer before um, I went to the Raptors parade and like, I don't think I've told that story on here. So maybe what we'll try to do is get some of the boys on who are there with us and we can all recount the story and like have that story told on the pod. Cause I think it's, it would be a pretty interesting one. Like obviously we know the gunshots and stuff that went off and yeah. we were in Nathan Phillips square with the boys, but like, I don't want to get into too much of the details cause it's actually a pretty decent story of what happened, but there was over 2 million people at that parade and we were jammed in Nathan Phillips square, like literal sardines, like shoulder to shoulder chest to like back, basically nowhere to go. And then like six months later, we're in lockdown and you're not allowed to be six feet away or six feet within six feet of someone. Like just think about that whole shift of just like where I was six months prior to in the most packed event I've ever been at in my entire life. To not being allowed to like shake someone's hand. <laughs> yeah, dude, that's just crazy. a crazy like, swing. Just a crazy. Swing.
0: I I wouldn't like. I don't know if I I'd, I'd be nervous. Like you said, like I'd, I'd be nervous. I'd, I'd probably avoid that. And even when bars and stuff do reopen, I'd probably like just like lay off for like the first couple weeks until it dies down. Maybe yeah. even more that first month. Just like whatever. I can like drink at home, hang out at home, like, my yeah. own thing, and then yeah. wait until I, I don't have to like shove my way to the front. Everyone's like, okay, like so this is what it's like okay the nice
1: yeah yeah exactly all right well let's get into our uh, player battles that we've got here um episode 70 like you said uh this one we've got two two good ones here because i picked one of the guys and you picked the other one and we both (laughs) picked them because of their names (laughs) so the names that they have i think are pretty good but what kind of battle do we want to do here i was thinking um I was thinking, like, a Foursquare competition.
0: Dude, Foursquare is dope.
1: But the only thing with Foursquare, I guess, is that you have to have um, two other people in it. Oh, That's, the okay. about, That's the only thing. How about, problem. like, a... Oh, you know what? Let's do Bump. Just a oh. 1v1 Bump competition. Just a little playground action, like... You're out there at recess. You're absolutely sweating. You know, those memes of like, when you just put up all those crazy stats at recess, you come in crushing the water at the water fountain. Like that's going to be these guys after this competition, we're going bringing it back to the roots, back to the playground competitions. So I think bump just one V one bump to the winner. That's going to be it. Yeah. Uh, And so if if you don't know what bump is basically uh, there's an order of shooting. So the first person shoots, and then if they like make the shot or usually I guess there's different rules of like how many shots have to be made or whatever, but like this essentially the rule is like one of the two people has to get to a certain number of baskets before the other person. And you're allowed to hit the other person's ball away yeah. using your ball.
0: I think you have to like get like it twice before the one person gets it once to win. Okay. If okay. it's a two person game. Cause before yeah. it's like, Oh, if, if you shoot first and miss and the guy behind you gets it, then you're out. Right. But if like you miss and then the guy, be- or if you uh, get it in the first try, go behind and then like give it to the next guy in line. And the guy behind you misses and then you the sink guy it. behind him sinks it. Then he's out. So it's like you need two baskets before the guy in front of you gets
1: one. Okay. So Let's start it off here. Our first competitor. He was drafted in the fourth round, 50th overall in the 1951 NFL draft by the Cleveland Browns. And we're going to go on an absolute rabbit hole of old school NFL football teams here as he ended up starting his NFL career for a team called the Baltimore Colts. Then he moved to the New York Yanks. Yes, the New York Yanks. Not the Yankees, not the Yanks. Then on to the Dallas Completely Texans. different thing. Completely, <laughs> completely different. <laughs> Then on to the Dallas Texans before ultimately ending up back with the Baltimore Colts, where he spent the last nine years of his career. A five-time pro bowler, four-time first-team all-pro, and a member of the all-1950s team. A pro football Hall of Fame inductee in 1968. A six-foot-two, 263-pound left defensive tackle from Bronx, New York. Art, Fatso Donovan. (laughs) (laughs) Fatso His competitor, selected second overall in the 1994 NHL entry draft by the Mighty Ducks of Anaheim. Yes, all the way back to when they were called the Mighty Ducks of Anaheim. He was part of the trade to Winnipeg for Timu Solani in 1996. An Olympic bronze medalist, world junior bronze medalist, world championship gold medalist, a one-time NHL All-Star, two-time Stanley Cup champion, once with the Devils in 03 and once with the Canes in 06, a 2004 Russian Super League MVP, a 2004-2008 Russian Super League champion, and a 2011 KHL champion. A six-foot-one, 211-pound forward, defenseman. Sorry, from the NHL, Oleg, the third leg to <laughs>
0: You know what? To be honest, I don't even know if that that's what his nickname was. Like, I don't i don't think it was, but you just gave it to sounded him. right. Yeah, we yeah.
1: gave it to
0: him. All right. <laughs> we gave it to him. I like I mean, it. Yeah. Oleg the third leg. Guess he's got a hammer. But, dude, I, I don't know. He's a Russian playing basketball. Uh, you don't see many of those. I guess you got Andre Kirilenko. Yeah. Like, about, yeah. like, it's about the only guy I can think of. Um, yeah, dude, I don't know, man. It's tough to bet against a guy named Fatso. He's, he's one inch taller and has 52 pounds on him. Yeah. And he's from Bronx. So you got to assume he probably played some basketball growing up.
1: Exactly. Exactly. I'm thinking he's gritty. Like, obviously, Oleg, yeah, sure. He's got some grit too. He's a defenseman in the NHL. Six foot one, 211 pounds. And he's a winner. He's a proven winner here. But sit like another inch and 50 pounds and you're from the Bronx. You've got some kind of grit you just know he's probably the guy with like that crazy New York accent. Like just doesn't give a fuck. He's probably crushing darts between quarters in the NFL. Like he is a gritty, gritty animal. Um, I feel like he's got some like basketball in his blood just being from the Bronx. So my, my pick is Art Fatso Donovan for this uh, bump competition.
0: Yeah, I'm going Art Fatso as well. I think he just, man, he, like, if I'm looking at pictures of him right now, he just looks like the nicest guy in the world. Like, he's got a little yeah, got his, he like, does. Def- defensive stance. He's got a little little smile. He looks so yeah. friendly. Um, yeah, I know. But I think that he's just, I don't know. You got to watch out. Like, I feel like once he snaps, he snaps. And he just <laughs> yeah. put, his, put his back into him and just, like, work him in the post the all day switch. long.
1: Yeah, that guy can yeah, flip the switch for sure. 100%. Well, unfortunately, in this uh, in this competition, Oleg Tverdovsky wasn't the winner, but he was a major winner in his career, winning Olympic bronze, World Junior bronze, World Championship gold, and a Stanley Cup or two Stanley Cups, actually. And uh, our next guest, someone that we're pretty excited to bring bring on the pod, he's a win- he's a winner as well. Yeah, we, you, you, you made a the joke. Something. You made the joke that when we. Have NHL. We don't always have NHL players on. But when we do, they're Stanley Cup champions. Because at this point, two, two certified NHL players, guys who have made a stand in the league and are going to be here for probably a long time, Anthony Sorelli, Stanley Cup champion with the Tampa Bay Lightning, and now our next guest, uh, Stanley Cup champion with St. Louis Blues. And not only that, but this guy, Memorial Cup champion, O- two time OHL champion, OMHA champion, world junior champion, world hockey under 17 champion, Stanley Cup champion. Like, what more can you ask for from a guest on the lads and launchers podcast? Like that's that's Dude, just that's, what we do, Mickey. We every do.
0: single level of hockey spanning back to a minor hockey. Yeah. He's won.
1: So I, honestly, but said,
0: if this guy wins an Olympic gold, which I'm sure the poss- it's in the realm of possibility in his career, yeah. Uh, I'm very confident he can he can pull that off. But I don't think anybody in the history of hockey has won at more levels than this guy. It's pretty nuts, man. There's no way. There's no way you've been there. Everybody's won from minor hockey up until Stanley Cup and the Olympics. Like, it just, there's yeah. no way.
1: Yeah, that's true. It's pretty crazy. And like, the only thing that kind of like almost takes away from it for him, but it's all, like, it can't possibly take away is just that he didn't win at like ECHL or AHL levels, but like, it's better because he didn't even never play in those leagues. He just went straight (laughs) to the show and won in his first year. So like, come on, there's not much you can ask for there. Yeah. But yeah. All right. Let's, uh, let's hear from our, our, uh, Stanley cup champion NHL guest, Robert Thomas. All right, welcoming to the Lads and Launchers podcast, a man who's won at just about every level of hockey with an OMHA gold medal, a two-time OHL champion, a Memorial Cup champion, a U17 World Hockey gold medalist, a World Juniors gold medalist, and if that wasn't enough, a Stanley Cup champion with the St. Louis Blues in 2019. Welcoming to the podcast, Robert Thomas. Robert, how's it going, buddy?
3: Doing good, guys. Doing good. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, no problem.
2: You know, I was telling Philly um, beforehand. It, it seems like uh, we don't always have NHL players in the pod, but when we do, they, they got to be Stanley cup champions.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it.
1: Uh, so I did like a whole bunch of research. Obviously I know you from back in minor hockey, we played together with York Simcoe. And then I played minor lacrosse with you at the Newmarket Redbirds. Um, mm-hmm. But after that, you kind of, you went back to your own age group, played with the 99s and I was reading some stuff today. And your dad, he said that in your draft year, you didn't really think much of the concept of getting drafted. And you guys had, didn't even have an agent yet really at that point. And when you got taken in the second round, 26 overall by London, were you surprised that you were kind of taken that high? And then on top of that, were you surprised that it was to a team like London? Cause they were, they were loaded with guys. Like at that point they had Kachuk, Marner, Dvorak, and among like others there.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I mean the whole kind of year, uh, my family's pretty big on school, so they, they really wanted me to try and try and get a scholarship and, and go that route. Um, and then you know, fortunately, just kind of like a month before the the OHL draft or whatever, we found a good family advisor who's gonna you know he was mainly focused on college the college road, and um, you know that was something that you know we we really wanted to do, and um, kind of the opportunity came up you know, a couple nights before the draft where, where, uh, you know, we knew London really wanted me and um, it kind of, you know, I didn't really have too much expectation, uh, you know, going into it. And, and then when they took me, it was kind of just like, you know, you know, you're in shock and, you know, with the team they had, the players they had and, you know, their history, it was kind of a, a no-brainer decision.
1: Was it your decision to go there? Like with your if your family wanted you to go to the school route, were you kind of the one pushing, saying like, no, I want to go to London? Or did the advisor have any play in that? Or did London even reach out to you to say like, hey, come here and play here?
3: Um, I would say right when I heard my name called by them, uh, I put my foot down and kind of said, this is what I'm going to do. So it uh, wasn't really much of a discussion after that. <laughs> okay.
2: That's awesome. I mean, London is notorious for obviously the great treatment of their players. Um, so as somebody who's lived in the city uh, for four years and just seen firsthand how, how crazy these people are for hockey and how much they love the team selling out on a nightly basis, like what what would you be able to, to describe about your experience playing uh, with London, not only the team but just uh, in the city as well?
3: Yeah, I think I think playing in London was some of the most fun I ever had playing hockey. Um, you know, we had such So many great players on the team uh, and great guys as well. And just the whole atmosphere there, it's, you know, it's about development. But uh, at the same time, you're always, you know, always in a chance to compete and uh, win a championship. So I think uh, I think just that city and and that team just expects so many great things and uh, it pushes all the players.
1: That first year that you got there in your rookie year, you didn't play every game. I think you played just over half. Um, But when you're looking out there, you're looking at guys, as I mentioned earlier Matthew Kachuk, Mitch Marner, Christian Dvorak, who all went on and they're playing in the NHL and having successful careers. Um, When you got there at first and you couldn't really, like, weren't really getting into the lineup as much, were you bummed out by it or were you more taking it as like a learning experience to be like, okay, this is what I got to do to move on and like play more?
3: Uh, I would say, uh, at the start, you're kind of a little bummed out, but, uh, you know, at the same time it happened to everyone. I know, uh, you know, a lot of the guys beforehand had the same, same kind of treatment in their first year. And it's just kind of about learning. And, uh, I think the biggest thing was, you know, in the practices you put, you go up against those guys and there, there's no really better way to you know get better, uh, than, than playing against them. Uh, You know, I had Bouchard with me, who was, uh, you know, high pick, played a couple of games this year as well. Um, So we kind of went through it together, and uh, I think ultimately it made us a lot better.
1: Was there a moment in that season where you kind of were able to, like, you can look back on and say, yeah, that game or that, like, practice or that thing was able to keep me in the lineup, or was it more of just a gradual buildup of play?
3: Uh, I think it's a gradual buildup. Dale always likes to test you. Um, you know, some games I felt like I'd play great. I'd get a point or something and be like, oh, there's no way he scratched me. And then sure enough, next game I get scratched. So, uh, I think he's, he's always trying to just push you mentally and, and kind of, you know, build up your, I don't know the word to say, but kind of mental strength. He's always, he's always pushing you there. And, um, you know, sometimes it makes no sense to you, but, uh, looking back on it in the grand scheme of things, uh, it only makes you a better person.
2: So I'm curious about kind of the year after you guys won the Memorial Cup. Like, I guess you could say like the, the, the big boys, quote unquote, um, of, of Marner and Kachuk and guys like that heading off to their respective NHL clubs. So what's the transition period like that as a player? Like, are, like, are you kind of looking around the room and going like, all right, like, like I need to be the guy that steps up. What's what kind, of, kind of the mental process that goes through that transition period?
3: Yeah, uh, I mean, you know, for me personally, I knew there was going to be, you know, a good opportunity for me. Uh, to kind of work my way up the lineup and, and and try and be a bigger role on the team. So uh, that was kind of my my whole mentality. Um, you know, we had so many, we still had so many great players on the team after they left and, um, you know, high draft picks and, you know, play, players playing the league and playing in the minors now. Um, so we, we knew we were still a very strong team. And, you know, if a couple of guys stepped up. We, we had another good chance to win it all. So uh, that was kind of the mindset that whole summer.
1: That summer, you uh, you trained at the high school that you went to, St. Andrews College. I believe you went to there with Gary Roberts, and then Matthew Kachuk lived with you that summer. How influential was he in teaching you like what it takes to go to the next level in terms of off-ice? Because you'd obviously seen it firsthand, practicing and playing with them, but like mm-hmm. living with him every day, what was that kind of like?
3: Yeah, uh, you know what, I always thought I worked pretty hard. Uh, and then and then that summer when he lived at my house, I learned I don't work hard enough. So, uh, you know, he's a guy, he, he grew up around, you know, with his dad, he, he, he was just instilled in him, you know, work ethic on and off the ice. And, um, you know, it was, a, it was a great learning experience for me just to see how dedicated he was and, you know, all the little things that he did to to get that edge. So uh, I think, yeah, I think it was huge for me that summer. And I think it really you know took my game to another level. In
2: 2015, um you were fortunate enough to represent Canada at the U17 uh World Hockey Championships, which is kind of like the first time anybody um as a hockey player gets to put on that 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 red and white. I guess like what was that what was that feeling like for the first time at the first possible opportunity to be representing your country?
3: Yeah, it was it was really cool. Um you know, something uh something that you definitely remember um you know i didn't play too much that whole tournament but uh at the same time you know we ended up winning it which was awesome and um yeah it was in i think it was in dawson creek um so you can kind of just feel how excited you know the hockey fans were out there to you know have a team canada playing and uh you know it was was an awesome experience
1: and then carrying forward uh winning a gold medal at the 2018 world juniors uh, how much of that success would you attribute to like being familiar with the guys from that U seventeen team and being able to play in the Hockey Canada program previously?
3: Yeah, I think uh, I think uh, definitely that familiarity. Uh, there wasn't as many players that you know kind of carried over from u seventeens to to the World Juniors just because they have three teams at that tournament. Yeah, um, but you play in those those Subway Series games, or uh, I think that's what they're called. Uh, yeah. like the OHL versus Russia. and So you get to know, you know, a good chunk of the the guys in the league that are going to be on the team. Uh, so I think those games uh, definitely really help out.
2: So that year, the tournament was in Buffalo. Um, and although it's not quite the same as getting to play on home soil, I feel like as a Canadian, like the hockey fans are, are going to be traveling there anyways and, and making it feel like a home game. Had you ever, ever experienced a level of energy in an arena like you did in Buffalo?
3: um at the at that time no nothing near it um i think yeah i think it was so cool uh especially you know we had the outdoor game uh that was that was an awesome experience we have to see the the bills mafia and then yeah. uh, all the Canadian fans so uh that was that was something really cool but yeah that whole experience was awesome um you know kind of you know you're playing at the ohl level you 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 feel like you you kind of get it and then the energy just goes to a whole nother level there and uh, you know, it was really cool.
1: Yeah. What was that outdoor game like? Because I'm pretty sure it was like really snowy. I remember watching that Mm -hmm. live and, uh, the, the U S team was wearing like those bills jerseys and, but it it's been played before at an NHL level and guys find it really cool to do that, but playing in it Mm -hmm. for Canada must've been just like a different level of excitement.
3: Yeah. I mean, I, I remember the first period we went out, I guess there was a big accident on the border. So we went out for the game and it was just all American fans. And there was like, yeah, some fans like what the hell is going on? <laughs> uh, and then we go up for the second period and then all the Canadian fans are there. So, um, so yeah, it was, it was awesome. I mean, uh, yeah, we got snowed on pretty good. So there wasn't much of a hockey game, but uh, looking, looking at all the other stuff and just the atmosphere was, uh, you know, once in a lifetime experience.
1: And what was that shift like then from the first to the second? Cause I remember what you're talking about. I think it was like an accident near the border mixed with the snowstorm mixed with just tons of people trying to get down to Buffalo at the same time for the game. Yeah. So you go out there, it's mainly American fans. So like you're not really getting much excitement behind you when you guys are touching the puck in the first. Now all of a sudden the second comes, is it just completely different in like in that second period?
3: Yeah. You got, you got to do like kind of a long walk through the stadium to get to the ice and uh, you know, right when we get through the tunnel, you could just tell the the excitement's on a whole nother level, and uh, so that that definitely gives you a little chills.
2: That's unreal. So the day after you win gold for Canada, you get traded to Hamilton after spending all this time in London. Um, was this something you were kind of expecting, or or did it catch you off guard?
3: Uh, being honest, I had no clue. Um, I had uh, yeah, I had no idea that I was even getting traded. So uh, that was a that was a whole different experience, but. Um, but yeah, that definitely, definitely caught me by surprise, but, um, you know, at the same time, Hamilton had a great team and, uh, you know, we, we found some success there.
1: Yeah. And you, uh, cause you didn't have like a no trade or anything at that point. So you didn't have to approve anything, right. To go. Uh, from
3: upgrade, Yeah. But, oh, okay. Um, but yeah, it's kind of a no brainer to,
1: to wave yeah. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you were the captain in London for that season, right? Yeah. Um, then you go into the role in Hamilton and you guys win the OHL Cup or the OHL Championship that year and you played a huge role. You won the uh, the Wayne Gretzky Playoff MVP Award. Um, What was that experience like going to a new team and playing that prominent of a role right away? Like jumping in there, were the guys pretty accepting of it? Did you kind of have to like warm up to the room at all or how did that transition go?
3: Yeah, uh, I think, you know, transitioning is always really hard, especially when you've been in a place for a long time. Um, it always takes you a little bit to kind of get adjusted. Um, but, you know, the guys there were awesome to me. They, they really helped me out. Um, you know, even though I was struggling a little bit with it. Um, but yeah, in the end, it, it turned out really well. And, you know, a lot of guys got contracts out of there and stuff like that. So it was, uh, it was awesome to see.
2: So you, you have a long history with the Kachuk family, starting, I guess, with your time playing with Matthew in London. Um, how did that develop from there until it got to the point where you were actually living with Keith in your first uh, season in St. Louis?
3: Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I said, uh, we got pretty, we got pretty close This my, my first year in London. He lived just around the corner. So we'd always drive together and, um, you know, he helped me out with a lot of things throughout the year. So uh, that was kind of the start of it. And then obviously living together for a summer took that to a to another level and uh it was just funny enough that i ended up getting drafted to st louis and uh i still remember i think it was the summer before my my first season he just brought up this idea randomly he's like why don't you just live at my house and i'm like what like didn't even (laughs) think of it and uh that's how that's how it kind of came about so um but yeah the rest is history
1: I'd imagine the Blues would have been pretty happy about that. You living with, uh, <laughs>
3: with Keith today. Yeah, uh, yeah, they were, they were, they are really happy about that. I think, I think a lot of guys, um, you know, young guys uh, tend to live with you know former players or, or guys in the team, because it, it's a it's a hard adjustment for sure.
1: Yeah, and there's a lot of alumni that stick around in St. Louis, isn't there? Like, there's a huge fo- support system of guys who played for the team who kind of just love the city and stick around. So I'd imagine they're pretty good influences on the guys on the team that are coming in.
3: Yeah. uh, I mean, seeing some of the guys, you, you see them at the golf course, you see them around the rank, even around the city. It's just, it's so cool. Um, You know, there's not many, not many cities that, you know, have the list of alumni that still live in the city and, you know, around the team and always, you know, hanging out with the guys. So uh, I think it's pretty cool. And there's some pretty big names here that you kind of, you're in shock when you get to meet him.
1: Yeah.
2: I guess who, who would you say was the, was the one person where you saw them and like growing up as a hockey fan was like, Holy crap. Like, I can't believe I get to speak with this person right now. This is
3: insane. Um, I mean, I mean, the contracts have helped me meet yeah. pretty cool people. I got to meet, uh, you know, Gretzky and Bobby R. So those are the two that were, uh, you know, the biggest shock, shocking. Yeah. Not,
2: not bad. Eh? <laughs> yeah. yeah.
3: Pretty good. <laughs>
1: Uh, what kind of like influence did Keith have on your off ice and your on ice game? Are you getting home from a game and he's giving you like pointers on what you did when you didn't do? I imagine he watches pretty much every game unless Matthew or Brady are playing at the same time, mm-hmm. but is he, is he kind of coaching you at all or giving you any kind of input or is he more just stay on the outside, keep you positive, that kind of thing?
3: Yeah, I think, uh, I think the coolest thing was, you know, the first, I think it was the first week he goes, uh not just going to treat you like a kid I'll treat you like one of my kids um <laughs> so I think that was that was pretty cool and yeah like before every game he'd shoot me a text and just give me a couple pointers to to think about going into the game and same thing after the game um you know you'll, sometimes I'll come home and he's got a couple shifts like recorded and you know he'll just play play them through with me and uh just little stuff like that and even just when I'm not playing like you know watching Matthew or Brady or you know and there's hockey always playing in that house so I uh, will always just watch every game, and he'll give me a couple pointers here and there. So, uh, yeah, it was definitely definitely a huge thing.
1: Is he That's ever, so cool. like, getting on your case about what you're doing off the ace or anything? Like, I, I've heard on Spin let's they talked about, like, Matthew was up late playing video games and Keith was <laughs> getting annoyed by that. Did, has that ever happened with you where he's like, all right, Robert, like, just go to bed?
3: <laughs> uh, there's a couple times he's came, uh, you know, sometimes it gets a little loud uh, when you're on the video games. So. Couple of times I woke him up and he wasn't too happy with me, but uh, but other than that, yeah, now he kind of lets me be.
2: There's a photo that uh, got out of Brady Kachuk wearing your uh, walking well, around St. Louis wearing, wearing your jersey and crushing drinks. So when you see something like that, are you texting, and being like, dude, what what the hell are you doing wearing my jersey, like wrapping <laughs> it like that?
3: No, I thought it was awesome. I mean, those those two guys are you know unbelievable friends and uh, just great people in general, and um, just to kind of see how during that whole run, how supportive they were. And, um, you know, they came to a lot of games, even though it absolutely killed them that they weren't playing in them. And, uh, you know, Brady was in the parade as well. So, uh, yeah. I, think was, I think it was just so cool. And, um, yeah, it, it really meant a lot to, to me.
1: So then getting into like playing in St. Louis in that first year, um, was there, like that first i'm pretty sure it was one of the first preseason games that you played in you you got hit by tom wilson which was Mm -hmm. actually like kind of blew up on on the internet a little bit i think it was like a little bit of an interference to punk because it's pretty far ahead of you but after that happens was that kind of your first like holy shit moment where you're like okay i'm here in the nhl and like this is a different speed and physicality and everything or was that kind of just another play and you're like all right keep moving on
3: uh, I think it was a little bit of a wake up call on, you know, I, 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 remember that play and I think it was definitely <laughs> interference. Uh, yeah. Really Touched the puck and I just kind of got drilled, but uh, I think it was just kind of like a wake up, like, you know, keep your head up, that kind of thing. And uh, at the same time, it didn't really hurt. So, um, so I knew I'd be be fine with it.
1: Was there any kind of welcome to the NHL moment that you had not, it doesn't have to be like a hit or a goal or anything, but you line up next to somebody and you're just like, okay, I'm here. Like, this is, this is it.
3: I think it was that game. It was, uh, you know, I was in front of the net and, and Obi gave me a cross check or something. And I turned around and I was like, Oh my God, that's him. And, uh, <laughs> so I think, I think that was my moment. Cause we, we always, I think one of my first exhibition games was against Washington or something. Uh, but uh, I think that was that was my moment for sure.
2: Is there so I, I guess I just want to know like uh, the transition from from the OHL to to the NHL like I, I feel like is a, a pretty big gap uh, mm-hmm. in terms of just like the consistency of, of skill level. So, what was the transition like? Were you were you comfortable right away, or how long would you say it took you to be like okay, like I I know I can can fit in and I can keep up with these guys out here?
3: Yeah, I think uh, I think it took like you know one or two games to get to get comfortable and then. I think the biggest thing was just building confidence out there um, you know you're against the best players in the world now so some of the stuff you do uh, in junior hockey doesn't doesn't really work anymore, um, but at the same time you just kind of slowly build your confidence and, and try and get back to you know the level of confidence that you had at the, at the junior level.
1: Going into a locker room like St. Louis, uh, the season before you you got there, they didn't have Ryan O'Reilly or Tyler Bozak or guys along that, that nature. They had Petrangelo, obviously, you had been there for a while, Tarasenko. Um, but going into a room with veterans like that who are as respected around the league as they are, how, I guess, in a way, eye-opening was it and how almost comforting was it to have guys like that alongside you? Like that first year you guys aren't playing that well, but you have guys to look up to, to be sit there and be like, all right, we'll get through this. How much mm-hmm. of an effect do they have on your on ice game and your like mental stability as you're going along in a struggling season at that point?
3: Yeah, I think it kind of, it kind of felt like my first year in London where we, we had so many great players and um, we just couldn't find a way to win. Obviously we, we did pretty early in London, but uh, but here, you know, we, we felt felt like we had so many great players and we're so good on paper and we just couldn't find a way to win. Um, so it was definitely tough. Uh I think I definitely leaned on a couple of players and you know, especially Keith during that time. But um, you know, kinda of as the season went on, uh, you know, there's just so many so many great players to kind of look up to, uh, especially Centerman, you know, Riley, Shen and Bozak were were awesome to me and and, you know, really, really helped me get to where I am today. So
1: and while you guys aren't doing that well in that first year, are you are you concerned? Obviously, you want the team to win, and the team success is really important. But are you kind of more of just like, I need to hang on and keep staying in the NHL and do what I do, and it's all right, like that this is going on around me? Or are you kind of just battling with the fact that you guys are losing at the rate that you were, like you were in last place by, I think, Christmas?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, a little bit of both. Um, you know, the first couple of games, I was more so battling to to stay there, and then, um, you know, got a little bit of a got a little bit more comfortable, and you know, knew I had a good shot of staying up. So I uh, kind of pushed that one to the back of my mind and uh, just just focused on uh, you know trying to win some games.
2: So, like Zach said, you guys uh, were kind of in the basement come come late December, January, uh, and then turned it around to be like arguably the Cinderella story of, of NHL history uh, and coming out as champs of the leagues. So was there a moment you could kind of pinpoint looking back and, and think like, okay, this is, this is when I think like the, the boys clicked. This is when we got it together and knew we, we had something special here.
3: Um, I, I wouldn't say there was really a moment. I think, uh, I think kind of throughout the year, there's been a couple moments that people say, uh, you know, this was the moment that was the moment, but I think just the whole time we, we were so close to the team that, you know, even though we were losing, we, you know, enjoyed being at the rink. We, you know, everyone had each other's backs. So it was kind of only a matter of time before, uh, you know, we were able to turn it around. And, and sure enough, we did. And I think that was uh, probably our biggest, um, you know, key to the playoffs was, you know, even after we lost the game, we, we still had each other's backs and, and we were ready for the next one.
1: And then obviously like there's some smaller like superstitious things, I guess you could say that go on, uh, one of them being the song Gloria. Mm -hmm. Um, that's obviously just kind of like a small thing along the way and it doesn't Mm -hmm. actually impact how you guys play on the ice, but how kind of important did that song become to you guys and where did glory play Gloria come from?
3: Yeah, I think it came from, um, a soccer team overseas. Um, I think some of the guys heard it in a, in a restaurant or a bar um, after a soccer team won and thought it was so cool. And uh, <laughs> that's kind of where it got adopted from. Um, but, you know, I think just the song was so like, it's so cheerful. It's so like, you know, you can kind of dance around, do it a little bit. And um, it just kind of became something that stuck. And uh, I know we definitely don't have an, as good of a win song anymore. Uh, we need to find another one that's, that'll compete with that one. But um but yeah it's it's one of those songs that you know I've heard it almost you know a thousand times now um and it, you know it still just you know brings back good memories and stuff so it's one of those songs that just it uh keeps everyone positive uh
1: so that year that you guys won the cup Jordan Bennington kind of comes out of nowhere and ends up coming and playing with you guys making that team and becoming like a huge part of the turnaround when he first came up and joined you guys and, like, started getting in the net, did you guys know right away, like, this guy's a different cat. He's going to be able to hang in there. Obviously, you can't predict at that point, like, yeah, this guy's going to <laughs> take us to the cup. But were you kind of like, okay, this is going to be able to help us and this guy's a legitimate starter?
3: Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, a lot of guys have been been good friends with him. i played with him in the minors for, for a long time. So, um, you know, a lot of guys – you know, knew really how good he was. Um, you know, I didn't know too much about him to to begin with, but um I think, you know, after the first couple of games it was pretty obvious that he was uh he was a gamer and he could play. So um yeah, I mean it was it was so cool and it just kinda adds to that whole story and um yeah what a what a cool time for him.
0: Did you like do you realize you're the only player uh to win a Memorial Cup, a gold medal uh at the World Juniors and a Stanley Cup, all as a rookie. That's that's pretty cool if you ask me
3: yeah that's uh yeah that's pretty cool i actually didn't know that so uh it's uh it's pretty sweet
0: yeah man i I, you're you're setting the standard you're setting the standard (laughs) for anyone else going for for the triple gold
3: club yeah that's that's pretty cool uh how
1: much would you say like the OHL playoffs and your runs there going to the Memorial cup, winning the Memorial cup. And then I, you guys had another successful run in the second year in London. And then you go to Hamilton, you win the OHL championship there. How much did those play an influence in like your own just personal, um, confidence in the Stanley cup playoffs, or is it just a completely different beast?
3: Uh, I think it's, it's kind of both. It's, it's a lot different than, uh, a lot different than the the junior playoffs but at the same time you kind of you kind of know what to expect and you know the difference between the regular season and the playoffs and um just how, how big of a difference that is uh obviously a different level but you kind of you're kinda a little bit more comfortable with that and uh I think I think definitely you know having success at the junior level in playoffs brought a lot of confidence to to myself and you know just you can kind of see when you're going into playoffs, how the team's going to do, whether it's, you know, how close you are, how, you know, while well you guys are playing at the time, that kind of thing. Um, right. So, so I definitely had that feeling going into to that playoff run for sure.
1: So that 2019 cup run, it's obviously going to be always infamously tied with Jordan Bennington coming out of, out of the woodworks and you guys being last place, turning around and going on an epic run. But one thing that maybe less or like the casual hockey fan might not realize is the synonymous run and turnaround that you guys had with a young fan in St. Louis, uh, named Layla. And she was diagnosed with a rare disease that had only been identified in 15 other kids in the world. And then if you read more closely into the story, she ends up having support from guys like Kelly chase and Alex Steen, and then meets Colton Pareiko. And she becomes almost a part of the team how important would you say that she was and her involvement in the team was to the team and like you would motivate you guys to go out on the ice?
3: Yeah. I mean uh, you know, she's an awesome, awesome young lady. Um, You know, I've got to meet her a couple of times and uh, I was actually there when she got to meet her donor. Um, So some of that stuff's just so cool. Uh, I mean, she's such a good person with such a big heart and uh, you know, she, she takes care of all her friends and she's always, you know, doing great things. And uh, I think, you know, now, you know, after the fact, I've been able to kind of watch her, you know, speak at charity functions and just become a leader in in that kind of, um, you know, the story and disease. So I think it's, it's just amazing. And uh, yeah, she's, she was definitely a big part of the run. I know, um, you know, anytime we went around, she was always right there and with the biggest smile on her face. So um, yeah, she's, she's an awesome young lady.
1: And you guys have her name engraved in your rings, right?
3: Yeah, yeah, it's in our rings. It's uh, underneath, uh, in like the finger loop. That's pretty cool. And she got her own ring, didn't she? Yeah, she got her own ring, and uh, I think Steiner and Perry dropped it off for her. So uh, that was, uh, was a was pretty cool moment. Yeah, that is pretty cool.
1: Uh, okay, I have one more question for you, kind of regarding uh going through all the different levels of winning that you've done and i read this story earlier today but it more pertains to your dad um so your dad he talked about in the james stathy book about how he had this pair of red (laughs) flip-flops so he wore these red flip-flops at the u17s around the hotel i'm not sure if he wore them at the game that you guys won the gold then but then Mm -hmm. you go to the world juniors he wears them there Or you go to the Memorial Cup. Sorry, wears them there in the game that you guys win. Then he goes to the World Juniors. You guys play in the gold medal game. He's wearing these red flip flops again. You guys win. So the flip flops are three and zero. You guys play game seven in the Stanley Cup Finals, and he wears the red flip flops again. You guys win the Stanley Cup. At any point, did you know that this was going on? Did you know, like, (laughs) your dad's showing up to the games wearing red flip flops, (laughs) or were you just oblivious?
3: Uh, yeah. I mean, it, I, I remember at U17s, uh, you know, on the ice after he was wearing the flip flops and like, <laughs> yeah. I think, I think it was in Red Deer. Or da- no, it was in Dawson Creek and it was like minus 20 degrees outside. Like it was <laughs> not, and everyone's just chirping them. Like, are you looking at what your dad's wearing and all that kind of stuff? And, uh, you know, he's not very, uh, I guess he's like undercover superstitious, but my mom's really superstitious. So, uh, I think kind of after that moment, um, you know, she was just like, you got to wear the flip flops and just kept on going and going. And uh, sure enough. Yeah. Last time I saw him was, you know, when we were on the ice after we won the cup. So uh, pretty funny story. That's for sure.
1: Were you embarrassed at all? Or were like by that point, were you like, OK, come on, you got to wear the flip flops?
3: <laughs> uh, I'm not very superstitious, so I, I didn't really care either way. But uh, but no, as, as soon as you know the story, then it's kind of just a funny thing to know
0: all the red fluff just just a little stitious though a little stitches. <laughs> so we, we got some fan questions for you we had a, we had a lot of good feedback posted out on our on our socials and so got some great fan engagement um so i think we're going to hop into those now our, our first question comes from damon Kalba, and he says do you know what losing feels like
3: <laughs> is that damon yeah <laughs> yeah uh yeah we lost last year in the first round that one stunk so i uh, definitely know how it feels not very fun
1: uh, all right. Our next one here is from our friends over at the Chum Talk. Uh, they want to know like what a guy like Tyler Bozak is, is in the room. And I'm kind of curious who he comes from Toronto. We loved him here. And then he goes over there. Um, seems kind of like just a good leader and good player all around. What was he like?
3: Um, what's the best way to describe him? Uh, he's always the loudest in the room. He's always stirring the pot, causing stuff. Um, but yeah, he's, he's a great guy. A uh, huge part of you know my first year, he's always you know texting me, having me over for dinner and that kind of thing, and really, really settled me in. But uh, yeah, he's he's the loudest in the room. He's always causing causing a scene or something, and uh, you know he's one of one of the good guys, that's for sure.
0: We have a question from Elliot, um, who goes, "When do you come off the IR? I want you back on my fantasy team." <laughs>
3: <laughs> I think I got a couple more weeks left. Uh, shouldn't be too long. <laughs> All right. And
1: then this one is from, uh, Taylor Caulfield and Devlin wanted to know kind of the same is did playing lacrosse help you develop any skills that you now rely on in your game or that kind of transferred over and helped you out to play hockey?
3: Um, yeah, I think, yeah, I think definitely lacrosse is great for your hand. eye. um, so I think that helped out a ton, um, you know, hitting the puck over the air, that kind of thing, uh, definitely came from lacrosse and baseball. So uh, but yeah, I miss, I miss playing the cross. I haven't picked up a stick in a while. So, um, but yeah, no, uh, that was, that was great.
0: And we got one more question here from Nico and he, uh, he wants to know, um, about, um, what it means to you, uh, and the guys in the room to see Bennington show some emotion on the ice, like he did against San Jose. Uh, he goes, <laughs> he's usually pretty calm, but then you, uh, see him get fired up like that. Does it have any effect on, on the room?
3: Um, yeah. I mean, I think, I think a lot of guys love it. Um, I think, I think in the minors, he had a little bit more emotion. He was always fiery like that. So uh, I think a lot of guys were, were pretty happy to see it. And uh, you know, he was pretty frustrated at the time. So uh, you know, it was great to see a lot of guys love that stuff.
1: All right. I just have one more question just for myself here. After all, like these things that you've won yourself throughout your career thus far, you're only into your third, currently your third season in the NHL is there one, is there one moment? Maybe not just like a win or like the actual championship itself, but is there one moment in your hockey career that has kind of stuck out to you and been your favorite?
3: Um, I would say, I would say, kind of, I would say, my favorite moment would have to be uh, when I got, you know, I got to bring the cup home, uh, just have it in the backyard, I had all my. Uh, you know, I think my favorite moment was when I had my family there and, uh, you know, just some like family friends on the street and um, just kind of seeing the emotion. Like, you know, a lot of them cried when they saw it. And uh, I think it was that, that would have to be my favorite moment and, uh, you know, something that I'd always have a soft spot in me.
1: All right, Robbie, thank you for taking the time to do this. We really appreciate it. Uh, hope you get back on the A soon. I know, uh, obviously we have some people who had you on their fantasy team, so they're looking for you to get back in the lineup and get some points for them, but, uh, congrats on all the championships you've won thus far. Hopefully you win many more and many more awards to come with it. And you can get that Olympic gold medal to kind of complete the, uh, the triple gold club. That'd be pretty cool thing to do, Mm -hmm. but congratulations on the career you've had thus far and good luck with your career going forward. We appreciate you taking the time to do this. Unreal. Thanks guys.
0: We want to thank Robert once again for coming on and joining us. Uh, it was awesome getting the chance to to speak with him and hear more about his career. And uh, he'll be back for those fantasy owners who, yes. who need him to, to make a push for the playoffs in their fantasy leagues. He will be back. Heard it here first. So yeah, man. Great, great speaking with uh, Robert. Thanks. Thanks uh, so much again to him for coming on. And yeah, Philly, what, what do you think of that?
1: Yeah, that was pretty cool. I played a uh, minor hockey with him in York Simcoe. And then we actually like not even listened on there. So in his elite prospects, he won Omeche gold. And then I think the following year he won Omeche silver. Well, when I played with him, we won Omeche bronze so like this guy literally had the trifecta of omeges as well but uh (laughs) like just throw those in there um but yeah i played minor sports with him if you like read anything about him or see any of the stuff he it's like pretty well known that his parents build a backyard or a rink in their backyard sorry and like they rip out there all the time and i remember as a kid like after practice We'd play at Pickering College in Newmarket, which was just the craziest old barn, like a legitimate barn. It was colder inside during the winter than it was outside. And like, we would have to take like turns, like going in the room to try to warm up because our toes were so cold before going back out on the ice for practice. And like, we would rip around out there practice for like an hour, hour and a half or whatever it was, and then get off the ice and head over to the Thomas's place and play on the backyard rink for like three, four hours and just rip around out there
0: just pure so, development.
1: Yeah. So it's pretty cool to see that happening and see like a guy that I played with winning at every single level that he could possibly play in. And like, I went to school in London, obviously I saw him out there a couple times, watch some of the Knights games. Um, so it's kind of cool just to get that opportunity to talk to him and catch up on his career and stuff. But yeah, thanks to Robert for coming on. Really enjoyed that. So McGee, there's some So some interesting things going on in the world of sports, uh, right now, we've talked about guys, uh, kind of just needing to shut their mouths and stay out of the media or stay out of the limelight. Obviously they want to build their brands, but one of the big topics was the guys who play for the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, that being, uh, Chase Claypool and Juju Smith-Schuster. Well, today Juju Smith-Schuster is making some waves in the media again, because this clown cannot stay out of the news and cannot just take his nose out of things and leave it alone. And I'll tell you what I'm talking about. So Caitlin O'Toole, she's a sports reporter. She put an Instagram poll up saying, will Juju stay in Pittsburgh? There was two options on the poll. One being, I hope so. And two being that's a negative. So before we even get into it, 89% of the votes were that's a negative. So clearly people either in Pittsburgh or just around the NFL have a very, strong sense that this guy's time in pittsburgh is coming to an end whether they want it to come to an end or whether they just believe it's actually just coming to an end they clearly are looking at this as like the end of the road of juju's time in pittsburgh well it gets just a little bit juicier as juju himself votes on the on the poll and what do you think juju votes for just the quickest finger tap on that's a negative so juju himself is clearly either wanting out or thinks he's on the way out of the door in pittsburgh and it's like dude, why can't you just shut up yeah like yeah
0: like i don't care like how bad the blood is like you're a professional man like you're literally a professional athlete like yeah you you have come on don't do that's a negative like what is yeah what is that's a negative And even if like they didn't move him, even if they didn't move him, just him like I don't know him wanting to go like that badly. We need to like put it out there. Vote on a poll. Yeah, it's not like you don't know that
1: someone can see that. You're well aware that everyone can see poll results on Instagram and who voted for what. So it's like, dude, really? Like you're just shooting yourself in the foot at this point. Like, what if they don't move you? What if they don't move on? Exactly. The management go back in that locker room and it's so awkward. Everyone's just looking at you like. Thinking about that poll you voted on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> good an idiot. Good an idiot. Yeah. It's Dude, I honestly like, get, it's good for it us. Is it is, yeah, it
0: is. Yeah. <laughs> Something to talk about. Like, man, I, I didn't even know who Juju Smith Schuster was. Like, one, I'm not even a big NFL guy, but like, the, the first right. time I heard about him was through like that Fortnite thing that like blew up on like. Right, right. Uh, like the Travis Scott and like uh, Ninja Drake or whatever. That yes. Thing. And yes. then randomly, this football player, I had no idea who he was. Yeah. And then then he like just tried so hard to like get into like I don't know, man, trying to build like a media like a person like a media presence ran for and brand yeah. for himself and doing like Fortnite dances and shit. I'm like,
1: dude, it's Well, I like don't crazy. know if you and I talked about this on here. Did you see when he held a Fortnite stream and there's like these outfits that you can wear in the in the game where it's like an NFL jer- a uniform because mm-hmm. they partnered with the NFL. Yeah. he made the stream title um where should I sign next? and played the entire stream wearing different uniforms of teams around the league and none of them were the Pittsburgh Steelers <laughs> it's like dude bring more attention to yourself <laughs> like, yeah like oh my god at the end of the day you still have to go back out on that field and face those guys that you either are playing with or playing against and like god that's got to be such an uncomfortable situation
0: it's like who and who makes a decision that way too
1: yeah exactly you want people to write in and like pay you money to tell you where to play like what the hell (laughs) man it's so uncomfortable
0: do do what you want man do what you want just like keep it to yourself
1: yeah exactly exactly
0: like if you want to build a presence or whatever like and that's fine like get involved and like be a presence in the media whatever but leave the like the operations side out of it like leave like the decision making and like yeah the drama of of, like yeah leave that behind the curtain like if you want to go and just play Fortnite and like just like interact with your fans and like do whatever you're doing, that's cool, man. Do that. Yes. Nothing against that. But when no. it comes to when it comes to like you like wearing different teams' jerseys and shit and like voting on polls about your
1: your future team in the <laughs> NFL, like Yeah, it just becomes too much at that point. It's like what are you doing? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's just a weird situation. It's funny to watch it unfold though. And I wonder like it's gonna be interesting to see what happens, but like the hell are you doing? but um looking outside McGee it's getting nice it's out gorgeous uh, gorgeous it's 18 de- <coughs> it's 18 degrees right. right now <laughs> yeah it's 18 degrees outside right now March 11th heating up snow is melting golf is on TV it is beautiful beautiful outside it's an unreal time to sit and watch golf. I am just looking forward to having that opportunity to either like sit in a backyard and watch golf or like just sit down on the couch and have the windows open, back door open, nice breeze coming through, oh. watching some live golf, hearing the birds chirp, just hearing the sound of irons clanking around. Like yeah. it's <laughs> so beautiful, peaceful but- and patio season. Patio season is approaching and I am excited for patio season because patio season is one of those things where you can kind of just, get together after a round of golf at night, like whatever you're going to do, you can still have that distance. Even like, as we talked about, like going to the bars and stuff, like have that distance, have a nice sit down, have some beers. with The boys have some nice, have some drinks, get some wings, like just hang out and just enjoy the weather. And it's so nice because yeah, going to the bar is fun and all, but having the opportunity to be outside and enjoy the weather outside is spectacular. Like I was looking at Snapchat stories that I have saved from this time last year. And like we were outside having like at the outdoor patios outside with like 10 of us around a table, everyone just ordering pictures hanging out. And then you go back to someone's house after you hang out in the backyard, like playing beer pong in the backyard rather than being inside. Cause everyone's just soaking up the weather and it's like yeah. the best time.
0: Dude, I I just hope I wish you or you fest like not even you fest, but the uh like the nighttime like Jake's on main rip with like everybody from high school. Yeah, like those are those are fun nights, man. And then you like just get together with all your buddies, pull up, and you see like all your old friends from high school. You kind of catch up, and it's all the outdoor patio thing going on. You can go inside if you want. Rip yeah. around, oh man.
1: Yeah, it's an unreal time, especially being able to play golf is approaching as well. And yeah. that is exciting.
0: Dude, golf. Well, dude, considering golf was literally, I think every, every person saving grace, this quarantine period, it was the only thing to do. Not that that's a bad thing. No, but it was like the first kind of activity to open up. Um, and yeah.
1: And you're like, allowed to get go and, like going. partake in and see people or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's, uh, it's exciting. I love when the weather starts getting like this. Like even you can just go outside wearing like some jeans and like a crew neck or a hoodie and you're just comfortable. Like you don't need a bundle up and winter jacket and gloves and toques and boots and stuff. And just, it's perfect for like going outside, having a walk, wear your sunglasses, you know, like you're just chilling. It's just actually enjoy being outside rather than have to like literally brave the elements every time you're out there. So oh,
0: dude, I, for stuff.
1: somebody who's played hockey my whole life, like
0: and, and you as well, like I hate the winter. It's like the worst ever.
1: <laughs> you know, what's like the worst about it is I, I like the winter because of some of the things it brings in. Like when it's nice and snowy outside or like you get the white powder snow and everything's all white. It's like, okay, this is kind of nice. The winter does, the, but those are like very minimal things of winter that are enjoyable. The winter and the pond hockey, whatever, like that's yeah. nice. <laughs> The winter otherwise does suck because it's dark. It starts getting light later in the day. It gets darker earlier in the day, which is just shit. Like why the hell would I want that? Yeah. It's it's just miserable. You're inside all the time. Like nobody's just going outside to see you don't sit on your patio when it's like that like you can't just go outside and just enjoy it like you got to bundle up to go and sit on the patio who wants to do that
0: it's all production no no point in doing that yeah
1: whereas like weather's like this i could go just sit on the patio and just look around for a bit or just sit on my phone or like whatever i'm gonna do and just enjoy the weather yeah and the other thing is and i think this is the worst part about winter is it snows and it's freezing cold but the sun comes out so the snow that's like on the road starts melting and you just get that brown gray gunk all over the sidewalks on the roads and you're walking through it cars are splashing through it your car's muddy you're getting people muddy getting the snow muddy like it's just a disgusting situation the one thing i do like
0: about that though like is when when it fills the wheel wells and like before you get in your car you can kick it out and you get that big clump just like oh yeah and drop that's the most satisfying thing in the world i love that
1: yeah other than that
0: though like but only only that part of it everything else about it sucks i just like just kicking it out of the wheel wells
1: yeah well okay one thing too is like i just got my own car and so for in like december when i was driving it i like i always have been driving my dad's car and it stays in the garage. So in the morning I get up to go to work, open the garage and out I go from there. Like it's not in the snow. It's nothing. I can just turn it on, like open the garage, turn it on, let it run for like a minute and then go. Well, the very first day that I got up and like it had snowed, I didn't clue into the fact that I would have to like clean my car. And so I went outside, my car is covered. The door is like frozen shut. I can't even like get into the car really at this point to like, turn the car on to let the heat go so that everything can melt. I'm like, what am I supposed to do? Like, I forgot about this. I literally remember like sending a text to the guys at work and being like, yeah, uh, probably gonna be like 10 minutes late. (laughs) Like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I can't even open my car. So (laughs) we'll see how this one plays out. And like hand wiping the car as much as I can while it tries to like warm up the handle with my hands, so I can open the door and like not rip the handle off.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Speaking of ripping the handle off, I'm pretty, I'm sure we probably mentioned this on the on the pod at one point before. But winter time, Bill Crothers, 2018. I'm sitting out front with Hudson, and uh, I, I guess a guy comes out, and his dad's picking him up, and his dad, like, I guess he gets in the front seat or tries to open the door, and it, uh, the handles must have been freezing cold, or he was just ripped because like, no. he ripped the door handle no. right off. <laughs> <laughs> I never heard this before. <laughs> and I- Hudson and I just found it like we just thought it was the funniest thing ever. Like, ah, like, uh, there was some like screaming on both sides between the dad and the son, like some <laughs> shouting. But like, I mean, nothing you can do. It no, just like it and the whole sequence of events it was so funny. But the guy just rips like the strongest man in the world, probably rips this handle right out of the. I think it was a, like a Hummer or two, which made it better. my god. Oh or like a god. big. G- I can't remember, but yeah, dude, I we had a good laugh. So yeah, as long as you don't do that, you're fine.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no ripping the door handles off. Yeah. That's yeah, what I was no like terrified of. But the yeah, one thing it... as well
0: is, is the warmer weather means school's almost done. So for all you people listening out there still, uh, approaching, I guess, final exams in late April, I don't know about like everybody else, but my school got pushed back a week. So I'm done late April now. of okay. like mid 17th, whatever 18th Right. late April, but man, I'm so done with this online school thing. It's <laughs> yeah. Trash yeah trash and i can't believe they didn't uh, lower tuition costs like what, oh, what's th- no services i'm not providing you any, any services on campus like i think gyms are barely open like you can't really like th- go to like i don't know the tech uh i don't know they have this tech resources center to like borrow cameras and stuff you can't really access right. that you got you got nothing you got a PowerPoint slide once a week or a PowerPoint <laughs> slide deck and it's uh, still full price like no man that shouldn't be the case i think that's dumb but whatever what are you gonna yeah
1: think? i couldn't imagine couldn't imagine having to go through school and your shoes at this point like it's just that would be tough dude it's, it's feel bad so for you man
0: oh my god it's so it's so bad online schools. let's hope everything
1: gets back you can get your vaccine and head over to spain yeah next, dude, oh. uh, next fall because that's pretty exciting they have
0: but... in-, in course or they have in-person classes now the place right. i'm going universidad de Dusto nice yeah yeah i'm probably not saying that right but i'll learn i'll learn come back fluent
1: we're gonna be doing pods in strictly in spanish no i do like the
0: subtitles (laughs) we'll have a translator come on
1: yeah you know what i actually saw on twitter which i thought was pretty funny is like this thing that came up and it said uh netflix always be like uh speaks in spanish (laughs) as the subtitles it's like Uh, just write what they're
0: saying (laughs) that's why i have you on (laughs) yeah Dude, I love some of those things like some of the best one thing we should um here's an idea for next episode. We should go and like Google like best subtitle like descriptions, okay because some like and then see what we can find because like there are some pretty funny ones like out there that I've seen that are like, oh, like I can't even like, oh my God, like weirdest subtitles. I'm gonna give you a little little tidbit here if I can find. 20 funny subtitles, closed captionings, Sobbing mathematically. Like, <laughs> oh
1: it's a picture of like okay, Spock or something. No, I wasn't yeah, really sure, yeah. but I get it now. I get it now. Okay. Aggressively right.
0: screams meow is another one.
1: <laughs> okay. I like it. I like that idea. So we'll save that and bring some of those for the next episode. We'll each yeah. come up with a list of our favorite ones. And, uh, yeah, I think I think that's a pretty good pretty good little topic there. We'll see yeah, what we can we'll, find. we'll get that this going. absolutely insane. But yeah, I think that about does it for episode 70.
0: Yeah, man. Episode 70 day by day getting closer to the uh the century milestone. Yeah. And uh a lot of Palooza it's like we we need to have it. We need it's been in the works for 4 years.
1: I know, I know, and we took steps towards trying to figure it out, but it just—it's it, not. Things aren't going to be in the place they need to be by this time this year. So maybe we'll be looking at it next year. You'll return from Spain, and yeah. your comeback will be a massive oh, La <laughs> like Van
0: Wilder esque in my fourth <laughs> and final project finals. X. Oh my god! Dude, so yeah, far. yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. yeah, episode seventy. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Um, as always. Catch us on YouTube at Lads and Lawn Chairs. Uh, Instagram, Twitter, follow us on all of our channels at Lads and Lawn chairs. Lads and Lawn on Twitter. Yeah,
1: exactly. And uh, yeah, <laughs> Character give limit. us
0: your feedback. Character, yeah, <laughs> go, to, go to abide by that. But yeah, yeah, thanks so much for tuning in. And as always, catch us same time, or next week, same time, same place, same Lawn chairs.
1: Cheers, Lads and Lawn <laughs> There
0: we go.